The goddamn sink is clogged again, Sarah screamed from the kitchen. When are you going to get the disposal fixed? George was lying in bed, hoping to steal a few more minutes of shut-eye. He rolled over, put the pillow over his head. No use. Instead, Sarah's high-pitched voice continued to jolt him into consciousness. I tell you, another day's gone by and you haven't lifted a finger around here. You can't even get a clogged drain fixed, George. Honestly, you've become useless. Just useless, Sarah continued. George knew that trying to fall back asleep now was pointless. He sat up in bed, rubbed his tired bloodshot eyes, shook his head in disgust, then flipped the bird in the general direction of the kitchen, where he knew Sarah would be making herself a cup of instant coffee before work. Her voice grew louder, loud enough so that Sarah knew George heard. All you do is sit in front of that damn computer and play games. I mean, seriously, how can a middle-aged man waste his days that way? She's always bitchy before her coffee, George thought silently to himself. She doesn't understand. In the first few years they were a couple, when he still had a job, Sarah used to be waiting for him when he came back from fighting the corporate wars, as she called it. They used to share that special 30 minutes or so after he returned from work, sitting together on the sofa, decompressing as they discussed their respective work days. Now, George is the one waiting for Sarah to return from her job as an administrative assistant at a local elementary school. George had been, in his words, canned after 22 years at the same company. At first, Sarah was supportive, attentive, and encouraging. She showed just enough interest to be polite in his job search efforts. Somewhere along the way, though, things changed. Now, more often than not, she comes home late, and usually with the stale smell of red wine on her breath. Just a couple of glasses with the girls at happy hour, she would say reassuringly, but to George, there was nothing reassuring about it. Diligently, George had been using that damn computer to check for job postings. He had been given six months severance, which allowed him to be picky at first, only considering positions similar to the one that he had held, a high-end managerial one. However, after a corresponding six months of rejections, he took the uncomfortable step of eliminating years of experience from his resume. He'd started by deleting his first big job out of college, even though it had been considered a prestigious position with a big six public accounting firm. But that was more than two decades ago, he told himself. Nobody will care what I did that long ago. His inbox still remained cluttered with only spam, and his cell phone sat silently during the day. Next, George eliminated his first private sector job with a big aerospace company. They had been a real powerhouse, very successful and widely known. But then, they had been acquired. For a while, it was newsworthy, and his association with the company was considered a mark of distinction. But over time, the name and the story disappeared from the lexicon of finance. Once again, he told himself, that was some 20 years ago. Nobody will care now. After that, making himself look younger on paper became more and more difficult. He had spent the rest of his years working for the same company, his last employer. He had turned down promotional opportunities in faraway places, in new cities, so that he could keep his life as stable as possible, keeping his kids in the same schools and his wife close to her family. That had turned out to be one of a series of futile attempts he had used to try to keep his unhappy marriage intact. Now, 
George was approaching a year of unemployment. He lowered his standards and was applying for positions like general ledger accountant, accounting manager, and business manager. He had recently even begun sending his resumes to companies advertising for bookkeepers, tax preparation services, and even temporary accounting clerks. Financially, he was comfortable, even though his divorce had been a disaster. Even after scrimping and saving to put his kids through college, the mortgage payment on the condo he had bought after his divorce was nearly paid off. Plus, he had invested well and had rebuilt a retirement portfolio. Every few months, he would calculate his financial standing and was reassured to know that he could still expect to have an okay retirement. Oh, he wasn't expecting to spend his declining years on a never-ending series of vacations, but it wouldn't be the pork and beans penniless retirement either. His financial problems were more immediate, though. How was he going to get through the next four years without touching his 401k? Sarah helped. She had moved in after they'd started dating, after her lease on an apartment across town had ended. That was three years back now. Her willingness to share expenses had been a welcome relief. With Sarah's continued help and their frugal living, he calculated that he could probably get by without working again. But that meant scrutinizing all spending, like home repairs. That also meant not splurging on trips or new cars. Mostly, though, George knew what he needed. He needed to find some place to go during the day. Sarah was right. Even though George didn't want to admit it, he also recognized how he had begun slipping into late middle-aged apathy. So, this morning, like every weekday morning for the past 10 months, he would check his email, check the job boards, reach out to six contacts for job leads through his social media accounts, and then he would update the spreadsheet he had meticulously kept, documenting the details of every position he had applied for since being canned. But that too was becoming tough to keep up. For the first few months, he received calls from temporary agencies and search firms. George had dutifully took each inquiry seriously. He went to each appointment dressed in a suit and tie. The representatives were all so friendly and so young. After 20 minutes or so, the interview would conclude by a, we will be back in touch with you if we have anything appropriate. Then a smile and a firm handshake. No one had gotten back in touch. Apparently, nothing appropriate comes along for a 50-something-year-old accountant. Long ago, he consciously stopped paying attention to the numbers he had been compiling. He knew that he had applied for over 100 positions. But now, George considered that to be just a useless fact. The whole process was now just frustrating. The last few weeks, George had begun to ponder that perhaps he should just stop keeping any records at all. George heard the door shut. Sarah had left for her job. For a few minutes, he sat there alone, in bed, and fought the swelling forth of emotion. He had fought the urge to cry before and, as a testament to his solid, stoic upbringing, had prevailed every time. He missed his job, though. He missed his job even more than he ever missed his ex-wife. He missed her too, but after Sarah came into his life, the memory of his ex-wife had faded away. The job, however, was proving more resilient. George realized what he really missed now, months after the fact, were the trappings. He missed the sense of accomplishment he felt after completing monthly close after monthly close. He reflected proudly about how he was a good dad 
about the sacrifices he had made for his kids and family. The marriage, however, didn't survive in spite of his efforts. Shortly after his youngest had graduated high school, his wife of 24 years filed for divorce. Her parting words still rung in his ears. You're a nice man, George, but I just need more than nice. The divorce was as amicable as a divorce could be. George never did figure out what she meant by more than nice. After getting out of bed, George approached the mirror in the bathroom. Switching on the vanity lights, he leaned close. Gray stubble peppered his face. His skin had a pale gray tone. George stopped to note the age etched into his face. The wrinkles seemed like canyons in this oddly artificial fluorescent light. He reflected on how the gray stubble only accentuated various age spots, which somehow had appeared on his skin without him noticing before. George sighed heavily as he began the morning ritual of shaving. He spread the cream across his face and reached for the razor. Each stroke seemed to pull his skin tight, as if following the script laid out in endless commercials he had watched between innings of televised baseball games through the years. George wiped his face clean, opened the aftershave, and slapped it on his face. The stinging of the alcohol seemed to remind him now what a pointless ritual this too had become. After microwaving a cup of warm water, George stirred in a spoonful of Sanka. He watched the ripples his spoon made in the liquid as he contemplated his day. The kitchen sink was still half full, slowly draining away a disgusting mixture of soap scum, gray water, and food particles. He added the remnants of his cup of instant coffee to the foul mess and then watched the slurry form into a swirl pattern as it continued slowly draining away. Looking up from the sink, he stared across the kitchen counter and into the living room. That damn computer was sitting there in the corner, dark and lifeless. George saw it as both a portal to the world of work as well as an instrument which doled out a daily ration of humiliation. He knew the process fully. He would turn it on, watch it flicker and wake up. He would then check his email. He knew that his inbox would be empty except for spam. Then, after deleting all the clutter, his attention would turn to a review of the job boards. His morning ritual would conclude with sending out five or six resumes for positions that he was either overqualified for or simply too old. The whole process would take less than an hour. The sink. He turned his attention back to the sink. George didn't want a repeat of the constantly running toilet incident. About four months into his purgatory, the toilet kept running and didn't hold enough water to fully flush. George had ignored the problem for several days in spite of the constant griping from Sarah. Finally, Sarah took matters into her own hands. She brought their neighbor, Kenny, over to fix it. Kenny was a building maintenance contractor. As chance would have it, his parking stall in the complex was directly behind theirs. His truck clearly displayed his trade with the catchy phrase, Honeydews done by a pro, fast service, reasonable rates. As George would come to discover, Sarah hadn't called the number emblazoned across the tailgate of his truck. She had struck up a friendship with Kenny weeks before. That Saturday morning, at precisely 9 a.m., when Kenny had come knocking on the door, 
George realized why Sarah, who usually liked sleeping in on her days off, had dolled herself up and was already dressed and waiting. Recalling that morning resulted in a knot forming in George's stomach. He had enjoyed the attention Sarah had given him when they first started dating. He also liked the comfortable familiarity that had grown between them after she had moved into his condo. Now, seeing her attention shift to another man made him feel insecure. Although Sarah was some 15 pounds overweight, she was vivacious, bubbly, and outgoing. He liked her zest for living. At first, Sarah insisted that they go out and do things. She literally had made George start to have fun again, and she enjoyed having a successful businessman as her significant other. But now, George had reconciled himself to the fact that, without the high-powered position he had when they first met, their relationship had changed. She no longer respected him as the executive he once was. She no longer bit her tongue and look away when she was disappointed. That morning, when Kenny first appeared in the doorway, George recognized him as the embodiment of the threat of another man encroaching in upon his territory. Now, today, George knew what he needed to do. He needed to get that damn garbage disposal fixed. George hadn't touched a tool since college, and even then, he was known more for his intellect over his handiness. The toilet issue had highlighted his fear of tools. Today, he imagined a disaster scene like in the movies. Water spraying out everywhere, and then a huge bill for fixing all that damage. George considered the risks. The risk was that he'd botch the whole thing, and Sarah would once again take matters into her own hands. Next, George thought about calling Kenny up himself. But something about the familiarity between Sarah and Kenny made him hesitate. He then thought about just calling a plumber from the Yellow Pages, but he had tossed the Yellow Pages in the dumpster months and months ago. The upside, if he managed to fix it himself, he would not end up writing a check to their neighbor, Kenny. He consulted the internet. After a few minutes, he found himself watching videos on replacing garbage disposals. George began taking notes and writing down the tools he needed. A screwdriver, a pair of pliers, some wrenches, and perhaps something called plumber's tape. He wasn't sure what plumber's tape actually was, but he liked the sound of it. He also needed to buy a new disposal. Just replace the whole damn thing, he thought to himself. The bright early morning light struck George as he opened the garage door. After a few moments of poking around, he found the water shut off valve. Simple enough, he thought. But then he hesitated. He was unsure what catastrophe would be unleashed if he actually turned the handle. Across the Rubicon, he mumbled to himself as he pulled back on the lever. Nothing happened. No explosions. No jets of water shooting out anywhere that he could see or hear. He walked back into the house. Water was still slowly draining from the kitchen sink, so he didn't want to add any more water there. He went to the bathroom and turned on the faucet. In a couple of seconds, the flow of water stopped. Dry. Got it, George thought to himself. Entering the hardware store was like entering some alien, alternate world. George felt uncomfortable, out of place. The workmen seemed to have a rugged sense of purpose about themselves, a purpose that George lacked. They were mostly dressed in shades of gray, tan, and blue. Their clothes were clothes of work. 
Their worn leather boots made a particular clunk on the linoleum floor as they purposely moved from aisle to aisle. Nothing much was said. George was clutching his mocha frappuccino grande he had picked up at a Starbucks on the corner. These men had Dunkin' Donut cups. Noticing the disparity, he chugged the remainder of his $6 coffee and threw the empty cup in an oversized gray trash bin by the door. He had always been amazed at how many different items were crammed into an everyday neighborhood hardware store. This was a place of testosterone. Sharp edges were everywhere. Although neat, items were arranged by necessity and function, not by profit potential. He easily found the plumber's tape right next to an assortment of plumbing parts. Bewildered, George stared at the assortment of pieces, many he did not recognize, even though he'd researched the project thoroughly less than an hour before. Sensing his unease, a worker from the store approached him. Anything I can help you find? The bespeckled man with the white beard asked him. Stunned, George could only look at the man and think to himself that, in his red store apron, white beard, and glasses, he would make a good Christmas-time Santa Claus at some department store. Well, just let me know if you need anything, the portly man said with an air of confidence as he shuffled away. George found his voice and said, I'm fixing a garbage disposal. The words hung in the air around him. He was taken aback by the air of confidence he recognized in his voice. Well, what's the problem with the one you have? The Santa Claus asked. Problem? Yeah, problem with the garbage disposal. Oh, it's clogged. I've tried drain cleaner, but it's still clogged. Does it turn on? It does, but it doesn't grind anything. It just hums. I think it needs to be replaced. Hmm, sounds more like it's jammed. Jammed? Yeah, jammed. Have you tried turning the flywheel? No. What's a flywheel? The Santa Claus nodded in understanding. He walked over to the shelf, looked up, and pulled a particularly odd-looking tool down. You'll need one of these. Now come on over here. George followed the Santa doppelganger over to the boxes of new garbage disposals. The Santa pulled one out from the box and continued. See here? This hole underneath. You put the offset wrench into this hole and turn it. With a couple of good tugs, you should dislodge whatever is stuck in the disposal, and it'll start turning again. Is there anything I could break? Oh, sure there is, but I wouldn't worry about that. Just stick the wrench in here, give it a couple of firm twists. It's sure a hell of a lot cheaper and easier than replacing the whole damn garbage disposal. George was taken aback by the Santa's colorful language. He clarified, is that all? Should be, but you have to do two things first. Two things? What things? Well, first, you have to unplug the disposal. Okay, and the second? Even if it's unplugged, you have to promise me that you will never, ever put your hand in the disposal. Sure. Promise? Yeah, I promise. Oh, and another thing. See this red switch right here? Yeah. What is that? It's the electric motor reset switch. If it doesn't want to come back on after you plug it in, just push it in and try it again. Okay, good to know, and, and thanks. Oh, you're welcome. Come back and see me if that doesn't work, or if you have any other questions. George paid $2.42 for the offset wrench. On the drive home, 
He wondered if that was all there was to fixing the garbage disposal. He glanced at the time on the car dashboard. The digital display flashed 10.19 a.m. Still early, he thought. Pulling into his garage, he remembered turning the water off in his condo. He wondered why he did that. Inexperience, he thought. Well, apparently, no harm done. For a few seconds, he debated turning the water back on before going in and trying to find the flywheel. Finally, he decided it was okay. George felt a sense of anticipation as he unwrapped the tool from the packaging. Reaching down, he felt around for the hole in the bottom of the disposal that the doppelganger Santa had told him about. His fumbling hands encountered the power cord. As he did, he recalled the Santa's words and unplugged the disposal from the electrical socket. Then, George ran his finger along the bottom of the disposal until he found the hole on the bottom. Inserting the offset wrench, George jiggled the internal mechanism of the disposal back and forth. To his surprise, he felt the mechanism unjam and begin to turn freely. Then, he heard the unmistakable sound of water flowing easily down the drain. He plugged the disposal back in, then reached up and turned on the water. It gurgled and spat until a steady stream of water began flowing out of the faucet, into the sink, and freely down the drain. He reached over and flipped on the disposal switch. There was that satisfying crunching of the disposal blades grinding away. After a few short seconds, all that he could hear was a steady whine of the disposal. Switching it off, he stood akimbo, wrench in hand, and stared at the empty sink. That wasn't so hard, he said aloud to no one other than himself. Satisfied, George placed the wrench under the sink, then scrubbed the soap ring from the sink basin. After catching up on the pile of dirty dishes, he washed up and changed. Alone, he had a quick lunch he'd microwave from the freezer. Since George didn't expect Sarah back from her job until after happy hour had ended, until six at the earliest, he decided to take a long walk around the neighborhood. The exercise, he thought, would do him good. George stopped by the neighborhood Quickie Mart, where he helped himself to a cold mineral water. He justified the indulgence by considering the money he'd saved from not having to resort to hiring a plumber. At least $75 for a service call, he thought. After that, he stopped by a schoolyard. There, George spent the better part of two hours watching a little league team engaged in an after-school practice. The gaggle of 10-year-olds ran through batting practice and then through a series of defensive drills. He sat there on the metal bleachers in silence. A couple of players' moms chatted incessantly off to the side, oblivious to the actions on the field. The coach, apparently one of the players' fathers, exhibited the patience of a saint. George was impressed with his ability to find that teachable moment in all the misplayed fungos he hit to his team. As the bright, harsh light of early afternoon was softening, he decided to amble along home. As he approached his condo, he noticed Sarah's car was parked in the parking stall. George checked his watch. 5.25. Sarah must have come directly home from work, he thought. I wonder if she's planning to make dinner, George thought, hopefully. As he entered his condo, George saw Sarah and Kenny, the maintenance man, standing across the room behind the island that housed the kitchen sink. On the counter sat a bottle of beer and red wine, both opened. Sarah was clutching her glass of wine protectively. 
George could tell by the light shining through the bottle of beer that Kenny hadn't touched it yet. Well, there he is, Sarah announced sarcastically. Looks like the sink fixed itself. You should have told me before I bothered Kenny here to come over to take a look. Slowly, deliberately, George stepped into his condo and closed the door behind him. He could feel the frustration welling up inside him. He clenched his fists, bit his lower lip, then lowered his eyes. He sighed. Finding the calmest voice he could muster, George spoke. No, it didn't fix itself, dear. The inflection on the last word, dear, betrayed his sense of frustration. Sarah pulled her wine glass instinctively to her lips, gently sipped, and then glanced away. Measuring her response, she replied, It must have been all that drain cleaner that I poured down the drain then. It must have finally dissolved the clog. She then shifted her stance and leaned more toward Kenny and continued, You know, I used the whole bottle when he didn't want me to. I bought a wrench and used it to break the clog in the disposal loose, George said flatly. Sensing the conflict unfolding before him, Kenny reached for his beer and then, holding it up in a mock toast toward George, he replied, Good, George. Good for you. Always makes a man feel good to fix something broken around the house, doesn't it? Hey, can I get you one of your beers? George shook his head no. Not satisfied, Sarah interrupted the mock toast with a, You fix something? Smirking, and then she continued, You sure it wasn't the drain cleaner? It was the wrench, Sarah. I bought this wrench from the hardware store, and a couple of twists, voila, the water drained away. I don't think the drain cleaner had anything to do with it, George replied. Sarah shifted her stance again, crossed her arms, and then said, You? In a hardware store? Now that's another thing I find hard to believe. You're a lot of things, honey, but a handyman, you're not. Kenny quickly drank the rest of his beer and placed the empty bottle carefully on the counter. He leaned forward toward George and rested both hands on the countertop. He said, Well, the sink seems to be fine. Hey, George, don't be shy. If you ever need to borrow any tools, you know where I live. Just ask me, okay? Looks like everything is under control here. Thanks for the beer, Sarah. That night, as George was taking his long shower before bed, Sarah went to the kitchen. She reached up in the cabinet where the glasses were kept, fishing around above her head for a fresh wine glass to use. Instead of finding a long, slender stem of a goblet, there, in front, her hands felt the unmistakable shape of a shot glass. Sarah sat the shot glass on the counter. Sarah had never known George to drink without her, and certainly not hard alcohol. Why was the shot glass in the front? She thought silently to herself. She stopped and listened, making sure George was still in the shower. As she did, tears began to well up in her eyes. She held the shot glass up, studying it, deciding what to do. Carefully, deliberately, Sarah dropped the shot glass down the drain in the kitchen sink. It slipped cleanly through the black rubber splash guard and into the disposal. As it landed, there was that unmistakable clink of breaking glass.